So I was 14 years old and the sun was blazing overhead and I was lying on the side of the road and I was gasping for breath, feeling like any one of those breaths could be my last. And I grabbed my side and I tried to ease the shooting pain that I felt there in my side. And just when I thought my life had run its course and I was gonna die there on the side of that road, a face appeared in my field of view. And my cross country coach said, come on, Kosak, you're falling behind the pack, get up. In past talks, I've shared some deeply held pain uh, regarding my brief career as a cross country runner uh, in high school. In short, I was bad. Uh, I was very bad. I ran cross country for one reason and one reason alone, and that was to stay in shape for baseball. I thought it would be easy. I mean, how hard can it be, right? I mean, I don't know why I thought that it would be easy. Running three plus miles over rough terrain as quickly as you can without stopping. Did I mention that? No stopping, you just keep running. Uh, in 90 plus degree heat, in rain, with wind blowing in your face, up hills, it was not easy. It was anything but easy. Uh, in a race where tenths of a second come into play. Uh, and the problem was tenths of a second matter and they didn't need a stopwatch for me. They timed me with a calendar. Uh, oh, look, Jeff finished on a Tuesday. You know, that's pretty much how cross country went for me. Uh, that's what my career looked like. And I got lots of sympathy uh, from Trilogy people. Uh, after sharing my painful past uh, the last time I talked about cross country. At least that's how I took it. Most of that sympathy came in the form of mockery and ridicule. Uh, but I know the heart behind it. I know where you guys are coming from and I know how you really feel. So thank you uh, for your sympathetic hearts. And since it went so well in the past, I figured I'd give it another shot and talk about it a little bit more. But one of the problems I ran into... Uh, ran into, see what I did there? Uh, I got lots of those. I'll spare you the pain and the discomfort of hearing those throughout the whole message. Um, one of the problems I ran into was that I didn't have the stamina to last the entire race. I just couldn't make it. I couldn't finish strong. Um, you know, Paul, who wrote a huge chunk of the New Testament, uses the example of a race as he's talking about this spiritual story that we're all writing. And just like my cross-country career, if you want to call it that, we've all experienced the spiritual slump moments where we're lying on the side of the spiritual road, grabbing our side, gasping for air, wondering how we're ever going to take another step, where we wonder if we're going to be able to get up and keep going. But God didn't intend for us to live that way. That's not how he designed for us to live. His power gives us everything we need to not just survive through this life, but to thrive in this life. Second Peter 1.3, God says this, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Everything we need, God has equipped us with. He's given us so that we can live a godly life. And so today, I wanna to focus on a key area of our lives that a lot of people overlook or really they take for granted, where we can get the boost that we need to run this race with excellence and with consistency. And we're gonna to continue today in our current series of messages called Some Assembly Required. And we're reminded throughout this series how God is not finished with us yet. 
And there are some days where that's more painfully obvious than others, that God has a lot of work to do in our lives to get us there, um, that we're in the middle of a lifelong process of being made more like Jesus. And, and that's really what our lives are about, is that all the time we're being transformed more into the likeness of Christ. Every day is an opportunity to grow, to change, to be transformed uh, by success, sometimes by failure, by pain, by joy. And today I want to suggest to all of us that one of God's primary tools to help grow us is one another. One of God's primary tools to grow you and to grow me is one another, is the community in which God has placed us, the people that God has placed around us. And one of the things that makes a cross-country team successful is when they run as a pack, when they run as a team. Uh, our coach taught us that we were stronger together than we were as individual runners, that when we came together and ran together, the results were going to be better. Uh, most people think of cross country as an individual sport. You just run your race, get across the finish line as quickly as you can, but it's very much a team effort. Uh, when you run together, you can draw strength from one another. Uh, when we notice that we're getting tired and don't think we can go another step, uh, we can see those around us and be motivated to keep going, to keep running. I was reminded of another example of this the other day. I was walking uh, my daughter Eliza in the stroller, just kind of walking along the road, and I heard a sound off to the side that reminded me of growing up in the Chicago suburbs. And I looked off to the side and I saw a few geese sitting there honking at me. And they weren't Canadian geese, which is what I grew up with. Canadian geese were everywhere in the Chicago suburbs. Uh, and it reminded me, though, of the hundreds and thousands of these geese that I would see every year in the sky and more frustratingly, on the golf course. Uh, you would see Canadian geese on the golf course everywhere, and it was so frustrating and annoying. But Canadian geese migrate and fly hundreds and hundreds of miles every year. And they do this regularly. And if you've seen them fly, you know the telltale formation as they fly in this, this V across the sky. And that V formation they fly in, it allows them to move faster. It allows them to maintain flight longer than one of these geese could flying alone. Uh, and each bird flies slightly above the bird in front of them. Uh, cutting down on wind resistance so that when they go, they're able to kind of coast off of that bird in front of them. And the bird in front, who's taken the brunt of all of that wind resistance, he drops to the back when he gets tired and they're able to fly further without stopping because of this formation that they fly in. They're drafting off of the birds in front of them. And scientists have estimated that they can go over 70% further by flying in this way than they could if they were just flying alone. That's significant, that's a marked increase. In fact, these birds can fly 1,500 miles in 24 hours. 1,500 miles in 24 hours, that's nuts. I don't think I could drive 1,500 miles in 24 hours, I'd be too tired. And, and then they also determined, do you know why one side of the V is always longer than the other? That's because there's more geese on that side of the V. I mean, it's not rocket science. It's, that's a pretty obvious answer. Um, but my cross-country coach uh, and these geese both illustrate the same point from God's word that I want us to look at today. 
And that is we are better together than we are by ourselves. We are better together than we are by ourselves. And this is a principle that God took very seriously uh, when he created the church. In fact, this is a story that no one was meant to write alone. This is not something that we're supposed to do by ourselves. The Bible teaches us the exact opposite. Listen to what the Bible has to say about this concept in Ecclesiastes chapter four. Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. There's all sorts of metaphors flying through that passage. Um, but the passage is really, it's, it's encouraging, right? It's motivating. You know that with the people around us, we can accomplish so much. We're going to make it and we're going to make it together is what this, the writer of Ecclesiastes tells us. But that knife cuts both ways. It tells us also that these types of things are going to happen to us. We're going to fall. We're going to go through cold spells. We're going to be attacked. We're going to be broken. It's not quite as happy when you think of it in, in those terms anymore. But there's a principle here that is critical for us that we need to understand this. And that principle is that we're better together. You and I are better together than we are alone. We're greater than when we are together. And when we're talking about God's principles and, and how they work, one plus one is always greater than two in God's economy. When God brings two things together, he does it for a purpose, for a reason. And that summation of two individuals or a group of individuals is always greater than the individual parts. Isn't that just like God? That's how God works. And this passage we just, re we just read this morning gives us a great illustration of that concept. Uh, they mentioned the triple braided cord. And it's, you know, how they make rope where they have three braids of of rope, which is in, in itself is a bunch of thin strands woven together to make that braid of cord. And then you braid those three cords into one uh, triple braided rope. Um, it's not going to be three times as strong as one of those pieces of rope. It's going to be far, far greater, many, many, many times stronger than just one of those pieces of rope. And when we come together, when God intertwines our stories and weaves us together, we become stronger than we could be on our own. Stronger than even our individual strengths added together. And in English, we use the word synergy to describe this. And synergy is just this. It's the interaction of two or more agents or forces so that their combined effect is greater than the sum of their individual effects. In other words, the total is more than the individual parts. And that's how God works with the church. The total sum of all of us together is way more than each one of us added together. And that word synergy comes from two Greek words, meaning cooperation and working together. When we cooperate, when we work together as the body of Christ, and those words are found all throughout the New Testament. And the principle we see all the time is that when we use our individual strengths 
in unity with one another, we're far stronger than when we're all doing our own thing. This is the principle of the church. And when Jesus put his team together, you know, he assembled that group that he worked with. He brought together 12 guys who had different backgrounds. Uh, they had different giftings. They were wired differently. Some were more prominent than others were. We hear about some of them all the time in the Gospels. You know, they keep coming back. They're kind of the fan favorites. You hear about them all the time. Uh, and even beyond the Gospels. And some of them were mentioned one time and we never heard about them again. Like it was one mention, gone, done. They were comfortable serving in the background. They were okay with that, doing what needed to be done. And the point is those 12 guys went out after the day of Pentecost when God poured out his Holy Spirit and they started a movement that is still going 2000 plus years later. God doesn't call us to a solo race. He doesn't call us to just run our best race. He calls us to run our best race in unity with one another. He calls us to be part of a family and we are better together. That's, I think that's one of the reasons that this season that we're in right now just feels so unnatural. It feels so uncomfortable. It feels, as it not it feels like it shouldn't be this way. And I think, I, I know that's because God has called us to togetherness. And so we've had to be creative and meet online and, and plan these projects together so we can serve together. But we're still being the church. It's just, it's been challenging because God didn't design us to operate in this way, separate. He called us to operate together. And we've all got different strengths. We complement one another. We're not meant to be clones of one another where we all bring the same thing to the table, each one of us doing our own thing, our own way, getting the same tasks done. Uh, we're meant to each bring our uniqueness to the table, to put it in God's hands and let him work his synergy magic and make it something more. And Paul describes the church as the body of Christ. And each part of the body has a job to do. And Paul just develops this metaphor so well in scripture. But it's not just our strengths that are meant to be thrown into the mix. Because I think sometimes that's how we view it. We come to church and we put our best foot forward and we do what only, you know, what we can do the best. And we want to contribute that and, and really invest that into the kingdom. And we bring our strengths. But I really believe more than that, when we are weak, we can borrow strength from one another. And that's part of the synergy of the church as well. That when we are weak, we can borrow that strength from one another. We can lean on one another. And that's what the writer of Ecclesiastes means when he says, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. We're there for one another. We encourage one another. We help one another. And we need to be constantly watching those around us to make sure that they're keeping up, to make sure they're doing okay. Guys, this is a hugely important season for that. Remember that V formation that we talked about earlier? Scientists hypothesize that there's another reason they fly like this beyond just conserving energy. The second benefit to the V formation is that it's easy to keep track of every bird in the group because they've got eyes on each other the whole time. There's always somebody watching the bird in front of them and it becomes quickly apparent if one bird is struggling, if, if they're having a hard time because they're close to one another. And we need to be watching those around us. We need to be watching those in our trilogy family that God is 
placed in our lives, that we're doing life together. We need to be living life closely enough with those that we're on this faith journey with that we will know when someone is having a hard time. And knowledge just isn't enough. Oh, they're having a hard time. I need to pray for them. No, we need to reach out to those around us when they're going through difficulty, when they've encountered a difficult stretch of road. And we need to strengthen them and invest in them. Let your faith be an encouragement to them. Let them borrow strength from you. Yesterday, uh, like we talked about earlier, a bunch of us had the privilege of blessing some families in our community with bags of groceries and by praying for them. Um, we provided for their physical needs, but then we asked them if there's anything we could pray with them about. And some people dismiss this, you know, they would say, no, I'm all good. Uh, you know, and that's, that's their decision. Some people said, yes, please. And then we'd ask, what can you pray about? And <laughs> everything. <laughs> well, then, so, then we'd kind of, well, why, why don't you give me a few things that we can pray about specifically? And there was a big difference that I observed from the last time we did this to this time. The last time we did this, when we went out there, we'd ask people, what can I pray with you about? Um, last time it was protection from the virus and money, jobs, et cetera, finances. It was protection from the virus and finances. We heard that almost every person last time we were out. We still heard that, believe me. People still brought that up this time. But what most people shared what they needed prayer for this time, they were so many people asking in the area of mental health issues, dealing with fear and stress and anxiety and depression. And isolation has really taken a toll on people, church. You got to understand this is not just a financial crisis that we're in right now because of the because of the quarantine and the shutdown. We are dealing with people who are struggling with mental health issues because God has not designed us to live in isolation like this. And I really believe we can help. In fact, we're called to do exactly that. Um, and we need to check up on people and invest in them and your neighbors around you, please call them and, and, and stop by and send them a note and let them know you're praying for them and see if there's anything specific you could pray with them about. Let people know. It's not just people outside the church that are struggling though. You need to understand there are plenty of people who are part of the body of Christ who find themselves struggling with loneliness or depression or anxiety. Not just during lockdown either, it's throughout life. We're not immune to mental health issues. We struggle with things as well. And I want you to know that if you're struggling, if you're going through a difficult season, please reach out. And if you're going through a great season and you are, you are just at the top of your game and you just feel really blessed right now, please reach out to others and check in on them and ask them how they're doing. And if somebody asks you how you're doing, please give them an honest answer. Please don't feel you have to play the pretending game. We need to be watching out for one another. Check in on one another. Text the people from your neighborhood group. Reach out to someone you haven't seen in a while. Give somebody a call. Go old school and use a stamp. Uh, let people know you care because it matters. One person yesterday at the food distribution, after I got done praying uh, for them, as they were just about to drive away, they said to me, just knowing you're out here doing this makes me feel better. Just knowing you're out here doing this makes me feel better. People just need to know that somebody loves them, church. People need to know that somebody cares about them, about their needs, because what we're doing is not just showing them that we care, we're showing them what the love of God looks like. 
We're being the hands and feet of Jesus to a world that desperately needs him. When the church responds as the church, it makes a difference in people's lives, both their lives and in yours. When you serve in the body of Christ, God helps shape you to become more like Jesus and others are drawn closer to Jesus. And you don't have to be this incredibly gifted person to do something significant for God. We, we handed a bag of groceries to people, put it in their back seat. We prayed with them. And here's what you need to understand. Doing your part in God's plan doesn't require ability. It requires availability. Doing your part doesn't require ability. It requires availability. Don't ever feel, you know, just because you're like, well, I'm not super gifted or I don't have this or I'm struggling over here so I can't take part in this. I can't really make a difference. Don't ever feel like you're not allowed to show weakness. Please give your weaknesses away. Let people know that they're a part of who you are. In your weakness, others can use their strength. And ultimately, God's strength is revealed through those moments. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So Paul says, now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Guys, what a great mindset to have. I'm not going to conceal my weakness. I'm not going to sit on my weakness. I'm not going to try to keep other people from knowing who I really am. I'm going to allow other people into that because their strength can help me. And ultimately, God's strength can and God's going to be glorified through my weakness. But we don't do that most of the time, do we? Most of us aren't comfortable showing weakness to those around us. And so we wear this mask, not letting people see the hurt not letting people see the struggle or the failures. A classic example of a mask wearer from scripture is Judas. There's something really interesting as you study Judas and you, you kind of read uh, the passages about Judas and his decisions through a, a different lens. People didn't know he was evil. Do you understand that? I mean, in Matthew 26, Jesus announces to all of his disciples that one of them is going to betray him. He says, one of you here is going to betray me. And you want to know what did not happen there? The disciples did not jump up, point their finger in Judas's face and shout, it's you. We knew you would do something like this. They didn't finger Judas. They didn't point him out. He, there wasn't a lineup of the 12 and the other 11 went, yep, obviously it's Judas. No, they went around the circle asking, is it I, Lord? Am I the one? Am I going to betray you? They didn't suspect Judas any more than the rest of the group. Why? Because Judas wore a mask. He didn't let others see where he was struggling. Even in the very event he was remembered for, the betrayal of Jesus, he kept the mask on. In the moment when he betrayed Jesus, did he go up to Jesus and slap him across the face? Did he spit on him? No, he didn't even point his finger at his face and shout, arrest this man. No, he greeted him with a kiss. Even in the end, he had to maintain the facade. He had to keep the mask on. And he went up and just gave Jesus a gentle kiss. He hid his faults. No one knew what Judas was dealing with. No one saw the real Judas. And that is a recipe for disaster. If no one knows who you really are, then there is no one to help you with your struggles or with your temptations. And we need one another. God uses us in the some assembly required process. 
There's no telling what might have happened if Judas had gone up to one of the other disciples and said, hey, Pete, um, you're kind of a rock in my life. I'm really going through something right now. And I've got this power issue and I know I'm too motivated by money. Would you just pray with me? Because I really need breakthrough here. Judas was afraid to take the mask off though. And so are we. We are afraid that if we take the mask off, we're going to open ourselves up to be hurt. Uh, the reality is that when we take off the mask, we open ourselves up to be helped. And that's what the devil does not want you to do. He doesn't want you to get the help you need. He doesn't want you to find strength in those around you. And so he convinces us to remain isolated and withdrawn and afraid and insecure. And that's not what God has for us. Combining our strengths, our weaknesses, our giftings, our shortcomings, put all of that together and partner in unity and we become way more effective than we are on our own because we're better together. It's only when we partner with one another that we can accomplish all that God wants done. We have to. If we're gonna see this thing thrive, if we're gonna do what God has called us to do, we have to come together. It's not only that we shouldn't do this alone, we can't do this alone. With all the chaos we're going to experience in life that our text today mentioned, when you make the decision to follow Jesus, you're not promised a problem-free life, you're painting a target on your back. You're gonna go through some difficult times. The only way we're going to make it is with one another because we're better together. We're supposed to come together in unity, in synergy, in order to accomplish the mission that he's placed in front of us. One of Jesus' final prayers that he prays was asking his Father in heaven to make us, the church, to make us one as he and the Father were one. That it would be through our unity that the world would know Jesus was real. We have to work together to accomplish the mission that God has for us. It's important for you. It's important for those around you in your circle. It's also important for Trilogy. I mean, what about uh, when God is calling Trilogy to step out and do something huge? And he has. On several occasions in the past, I've shared the vision for the future here that God has given me. You know, to launch church slash community centers uh, here in the 380 corridor and moving north. And I, I really believe God has called us to be a multi-campus church that we're going to have community centers all moving with the population growth north and we're going to meet needs in our community. We're going to have food distribution. We're going to have uh, places for homeschool co-ops to meet. We're going to have co-working environments. We're going to have uh, foster and adoptive care training centers where people can get their licensing, where people can get resourced. Uh, we're going to have all of this stuff in these community centers. But that's way bigger than me, church. I, I don't know anything about half of that stuff. It's way bigger than you. But it's not bigger than all of us and God. In fact, it's exactly the right size because God's the one who has birthed that vision. Trilogy is still a work in progress. There's still some assembly required. And you are part of the process that God is using to shape our future. It's only when we partner together. It's only when every one of us does what we can in the natural. Because when we bring the natural, God brings the super. And when we partner with God, when we make ourselves available, just with what we bring naturally to the table, God brings the super and the supernatural takes place. If you don't do your part, something isn't getting done. We're not all we're supposed to be because we are better together. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way, 
more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I want you to see something here. It helps the other parts grow as each part does its own special work. So when you do what you're capable of doing, you help others grow. We help others in the some assembly required process. And I want you to understand this today. You are an essential part of what God is doing through the church and in the growth of those around you. You play a critical role in that. And you're like, well, who am I? I mean, what, what do I have to offer? You have to offer exactly what God has gifted you with. The person God has created you to be, that's what you offer. And that's what God wants to use. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting. And another word for meeting is assembling together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And there's a lot of Christians who believe that as long as they attend a church on Sunday morning, they have fulfilled their obligation. Well, I am part of a church. They fulfilled the obligations this passage talks about. But the author of Hebrews obviously has something more in mind than just a gathering of saints. When he uses the word assembling, you assemble an orchestra, you assemble an army, you assemble a football team. You don't assemble an audience. They just show up. You don't assemble a group of spectators. They just show up. And unfortunately, there's a lot of churches when people just show up and they spectate, and they're an audience. Assemble implies intentionality. There's a purpose to what you're doing. You're not supposed to just show up. Someone isn't supposed to be here. It's not just a someone to fill a seat. You are supposed to be here to fill a role. Each week you come to Trilogy, or in this season, join us online. You're partnering with others to mobilize for a mission to make a difference in the world around us to connect with people all over the surrounding area who are trying to make it on their own and to help bring them into community. You're here because you're a part of something. You're a vital part of something. Without you, we are less than we are with you. God has gifted you to be a part of this body. And some of you might be more like, like the 12. Some of you might be more prominent. Some of you might be more upfront. Some of you might be more behind the scenes and you're more comfortable just doing the behind the scenes work. But what you are not is a spectator. You're not even a participant. You're a partner. We're in this together. No one runs this race alone because we are better together. When we partner with one another and with God to accomplish his mission, when we come together, when we invest in those around us, and allow God to shape us and to shape them in that process. I believe the best years of trilogy have yet to be seen. But more than that, I'm excited that we get to write this story together. Because I believe the best years for your life have yet to be seen. That the best part of how God is going to use you has yet to be seen. Because we are better together. Would you bow your heads with me and let's, let's close in a word of prayer. 
God, we thank you for this time uh, that we've had together this morning to join our hearts and to let our stories intertwine as we dream about the future, as we dream about who you want us to become, as you dream about what you want Trilogy to become. And God, we just submit ourselves this morning to the role that you have for us, whatever that looks like. God, we don't want to sit on the sidelines. We don't want to spectate. We don't want to be a part of an audience or just some faceless crowd. But God, we want to make a difference. In whatever capacity you choose to use us, we want to make a difference. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that you would help each one of us, God, to find that place. God, I pray for those this morning who are struggling, who are internally, uh, they're struggling. They're wrestling with fear and anxiety and depression. And uh, whether that's uh, been a problem of theirs for a while or it's been brought on by some of the isolation that we're wrestling with right now, God, I pray that you would uh, have them reach out to someone they trust and God, find the help that they need, that they can draw strength from someone here at Trilogy. God, I pray that you would give us discernment, give us spiritual insight, that we would reach out to those around us and begin to invest in those around us and check up on people. And God, help us to be the church during this time for one another. God, to bring strength to someone who needs it. God, I pray that you would help us to be better together than we could ever be separately. And God, let us live into the calling you have for us to become all that you want us to be so Jesus, your name can be glorified. God, that that your fame would spread. And God, we could be a part of that. We thank you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.